Hello, everyone. Before we start this week's show, I wanted to take a moment of your time, or I should say a few more moments of your time and uh, just address a few things going on in the world. I mean, um, with everything going on in the Ukraine and Russia and the surrounding countries uh, right now, it is uh, such a terrible time on so many levels. And one thing I've noticed, which is striking me as quite odd, is I listen to a lot of faith podcast or faith-based podcast, and no one is talking about this. And to me, that's a little bit alarming. I'm not critiquing anybody else's podcast, nor what I am, just pointing out that it's, it's, it's just odd to me that a faith-based podcast or a faith podcast would not be uh, at least just briefly talking about the situation between Ukraine and Russia uh, right now and the state of the world um, like we're doing here. And I wanted to just, you know, share with everybody or express to everybody, express is a better word, express to everybody that if you've been waiting to dig deeper into your faith or to, you know, do more with your faith, become more with your faith. If you've been waiting or putting that off, now is the absolute best time, if ever there was, to pursue that, to pursue your faith, to dig deep in your faith, to embrace your faith, whatever that faith is. And I know that can be difficult because with everything going on, a lot of people, especially atheists and agnostics are saying, well, you look, we're right. There is no God. There is no divine. But that is very incorrect. There is divine. Uh, there is a divine presence. There is divine energy. The thing that the problem is, is that we all have free will. Those of you who are Christian know from your studies of the Bible, that's what caused the downfall of Adam and Eve is having that free will to choose. Um, they weren't robots. We're not robots. We're not programmed like machines to do X, Y, and Z that we have free will to do what we want to do and to, to choose and to think and to um, make those decisions. And so sometimes the decisions are, are good and positive and sometimes those decisions are negative. Um, so again, I want to you know restate and reinforce that if you've been putting off um, digging deep into your faith or exploring a faith, or if you don't have any faith and, and have been putting off, but thinking about choosing a faith or, um, you know, looking into different faiths, now is the absolute best time to do it because the world needs as much positive um, energy, positive love, um, understanding, compassion, forgiveness um, that we've, haven't mustered in a very, very, very long time, um, probably not since World War II or before. So um, now is the absolute best time to do that. And to all those in the Ukraine and to all the people in all of the countries around the Ukraine that, and all the people that are helping uh, those from the Ukraine that are, are leaving. It's estimated it's over a million people now have left Ukraine and gone into neighboring countries. And that's, that's so horrible that people have had to leave their country, leave their homes, leave everything 
Um, if you could only imagine, you know, it's impossible to put yourself in their shoes, but if you could only just for a moment attempt to meditate on that and empathize with them and put yourself as close as you could into their situation, especially those, I mean, who are elderly, little ones, people who have little ones, um, you know, making that long journey and, and, and a very dangerous journey. They so need our prayers and our positive energy and our love. Uh, so and it, the same goes for those in Russia. Um, you, the majority of the people in Russia are so against this. It's just that they have a government that is um, a socialist communist government where they don't have a say. And bless those who have been protesting. Um, from what I hear, a lot of people have been thrown in jail and even children have been protesting in Russia and they've been thrown in adult prisons. Um, so they need our prayers as well. And we need to desperately pray for Putin and, and those who are in charge and calling the shots that the divine will touch them and awaken them to what they're doing, to the wrongs that they're doing and get this stopped as soon as possible, if not immediately. So what I would like to do, if you all don't mind, if we could just have a moment of silence uh, and, and prayer for those on all sides, all the way around for everyone, um, please, you know, take this moment of silence to send them your prayers of love, compassion, healing, strength, wisdom, and, and, and just everybody together will we'll do this together and send it to them. Thank you all so much. Welcome to the Faith and More podcast. I firmly believe that the divine works through people to help us every day. These angels and saints are so very humble. Many of us don't know they exist or existed. Hello, my name is Angel and I'll be your host as we explore the lives of these amazing beings. We will also explore topics that can help your faith no matter what it is or isn't. The goal of this show is to inspire, encourage, educate, uplift, strengthen, and heal you and your faith. Welcome, 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 everyone. How are you all doing? I so hope you all are doing as well as possible. Know that each and every one of you are in my hearts and prayers. And if you need individual prayers, 
as I always say, I'm always open and up for that. And as well as all those who listen to the show, we would love to pray for you. Uh, there's a great way you can do that through the website. And I will have information at the end of the show on exactly how to do that if you're not already familiar with it. So this week we are going to continue on with the story of St. Faustina. And this will be chapter three. And I do hope and pray that I will be able to wrap up her story uh, in this episode. But I'm not promising anything because I'm not going to rush this. Uh, it will play out as the divine wants it to play out. So if the divine wants us to be finished with St. Faustina in this show, then uh, so mode it be. But if not, then we'll just keep on going. No, honestly, we should be able to wrap it up in this one. And I do appreciate everybody's patience and understanding that uh, three shows have been dedicated to St. Faustina. And if you've been listening to those shows, I think probably maybe the majority or a great percentage or maybe some, <laughs> would agree that it's been worth it. And honestly, folks, if you haven't had a chance, if this is the first time you're tuning into the show, this really isn't a good place to start. There's tons of truly amazing episodes to begin with. But uh, regarding St. Faustina, if you haven't heard the previous two uh, shows on St. Faustina, I highly recommend you stop the show here, or I should say pause the show here, because you, you need to come back. <laughs> Always come back, but go and check out those two shows, previous two shows first, and that way you'll know exactly what we're talking about here. Um, wow, what an amazing story, and yeah, talk about fantastical. You know, I've, it's been a while since I've used that word, but yeah, uh, St. Faustina is, can be considered very fantastical, but wow, just um, yeah, truly amazing. So I do apologize if you hear the squeaky chair through this episode. Somehow my rear found a squeaky chair. And um, so I will try to sit as still as I can, but I'm a very animated person. <laughs> I express myself quite a bit with hands and gestures and movements. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm like that. But anyway, if you hear the squeaking chair, I, I do apologize. And I hope it doesn't bother you too badly or at all. So, of course, before we begin, links to all the information that I've covered in the previous two chapters or shows of St. Faustina, as well as this one, will be in the show notes, and that can be found on the website. And again, more information on that, if you aren't already aware of how to find the website, will be given at the end of the show. In the Krakowian convent, St. Faustina received the rest of the prophetic mission. In October 1937, Jesus gave St. Faustina another form of worship of the divine mercy. He asked her to hold the moment of his death on the cross in veneration. At three o'clock, implore my mercy, especially for sinners, and if only for a brief moment, immerse yourself in my passion, particularly in my abandonment at the moment of agony. This is the hour of great mercy for the whole world. And that's diary entry number 1320. So that's getting back to the three o'clock uh, thing that I was talking about in the last show uh, regarding if you can and you're doing the Divine Mercy Chaplet, you're praying that the best time to do it is at three o'clock or between three and four o'clock. And that's why 
um, is, is what Jesus is pointing out is that you know, that is when he passed away on the cross and that he wants you to immerse yourself in his passion. Of course, him giving himself uh, for all of our suffering and for all of our sins and atoning for all that. Uh, and particularly, as he said, in his abandonment, everyone abandoned him. He had no one. Um, no one saved him. No one came for him. You know, he sacrificed himself for everyone. So it's important that we keep that. I know it's kind of gruesome and I know it's heartbreaking, but that's kind of all the whole point behind it is for us to, uh, like you said, immerse ourselves in that, to put ourselves in his situation, to feel what he felt as much as we can possibly feel as we're doing uh, this prayer practice, as we're praying the Divine Mercy uh, Chaplet and Prayers. In his next apparition, he gave the details for the type of worship. He asked St. Faustina to do the Stations of the Cross at the hour of his death. But if duty prevented this, to come to the chapel for a short moment of prayer before the Blessed Sacrament. And even if that was out of the question, to devote a brief moment to prayer wherever she was. With trustful prayer at three o'clock in the afternoon, offered on the merit of his passion, is connected a promise of all graces which would be granted to the petitioners and all for whom they prayed, naturally provided that grace asked for was in agreement with the will of God. An example would be that it is good for the person for, from the perspective of eternity, in this hour you can obtain everything for yourself and for others for, for the asking. It was the hour of grace for the whole world. Mercy triumph over justice. He assured St. Faustina. So again, Jesus is saying that God willing, whatever you request while you do this prayer, you know, what is your focus, your intention for doing this chaplet, for this prayer? You know, whether it's prayers for someone who's sick or something like that. And, you know, he says that, you know, if you do it at the three o'clock hour, um, he will grant whatever you know, your petition is, whatever your prayer is, if, if, of course, it's within the will of the divine. I know, and that's kind of like, how do I know? We we don't know. We're, we're not the divine, so we're not the all that is. Um, so we, it's impossible for us to know. But the thing is, is you're putting that pure motivation and intention into your prayer. You're putting your heart and mind and soul into that prayer um, for whomever that you're praying for, whether it's for you, for a loved one, a friend, um, for your, you know, town, city, country, the world, um, anyone, you know, so you're putting that out there. And as we know, you know, that energy that you put out can manifest. And the more people that are focused on that intention, the more likely that energy is going to manifest and do what you're requesting to do. That's why I always say there's, you know, strength in numbers, especially with prayer. And that's why it's important that if you need prayer, that you, you know, let others know, whether it be in your congregation at church, uh, also, you know, people, friends, family, or me and the people here on the show. We, again, would love to pray for you. And again, information at the end of the show on exactly how to do that. St. Faustina continued to keep her diary in Krakow, recording not only Jesus' words and her extraordinary mystical experience, but also deeply moving contemplation on the mystery of the divine mercy. The over eight-month period of illness and two spells 
of Prodnik Hospital in Prodnik Hospital was a good time for writing, and a major part of her spiritual writings were done in Krakow. This was also when she underlined the words Jesus had said as instructed by her Vilnian spiritual advisor. So if you didn't catch that, her spiritual advisor, you know, of course, imploring her to continue on writing her diary, but they also asked her to please underline, you know, anywhere where she writes down, you know, Jesus said this or that to underline that because they knew that this, you know, her diary and, and everything she experienced uh, would be of immense, um, you know, on a magnitude earthquake scale of greatness for the world and important that we all had this information um, given to the world. Jesus' request that she proclaim his mercy to the world occurs time and again throughout the diary. It was an exhortation St. Faustina heard many times. Write down these words. Tell the world about my mercy and my love. The flames of mercy are burning me. I desire to pour them out on human souls. Oh, what pain they cause me when they do not want to accept them. My daughter, do whatever is within your power to spread devotion to my mercy. I will make up for what you lack. Tell aching mankind to snuggle close to my merciful heart, and I will fill it with peace. Tell all people, my daughter, that I am love and mercy itself. And that's Diary Entry 1074. This task was of special importance since Jesus attached such great promises to it. He said, souls who spread the honor of my mercy I shield through their entire life as a tender mother her infant, and that at the hour of death I will not be a judge for them, but the merciful Savior. That's Diary Entry 1075. He promised special graces to priests who preached the truth of God's merciful love for mankind. He would bless their words and endow them with such great power that even the most hardened of sinners would repent. So that tells you how powerful the divine mercy uh, chaplet and prayers are. Say you are a Roman Catholic or a Christian and you wanted to just focus your life on one set of prayers and practices, which a lot of people do, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. In fact, I highly recommend it. If you can pick one thing and stick with that one thing and consistently practice and pray that one thing, that's amazing. And that becomes such a core part of who you are and what you are. It, it just, it, the benefits and blessings from that are just un, unnameable. It's just above and beyond anything and everything. But if you had to pick one, then as we're seeing here, uh, the divine mercy prayers is just wow. It's off the charts that, you know, all of the benefits that you can get from doing. And that's not and, that, and that's one thing we have to be careful of. That's not should not be our motivation and intention behind doing the divine mercy chaplets by saying, oh, I'll just pray this and that's going to get me to heaven. Well, Yes and no. What are your, your, you know, what are your motives and your intentions behind it? You know, it has to be pure, pure of heart, pure of mind. You have to be doing it with the right motivation or right intention to help others to spread that divine mercy, to share that divine mercy, to pray that divine mercy for other beings, not only for yourself, but for all beings. So by doing this practice, 
you will achieve that. St. Faustina fulfilled this mission not only by the witness of her own life and the writing of her diary in which she revealed God's extraordinary merciful love for each human being, but also through her everyday relations with her neighbors. One day, Sister Euphemia recalled when we were peeling apples at work in the bakery, St. Faustina came in. We were sitting on a bench and she came up from behind put her arms around our shoulders and put her head between our heads. Sister Amelia, who had a very sensitive conscience, asked her, Sister, how come when you try so hard but over the week you still commit such a lot of sins, what can you do about it? Well, said St. Faustina, if you have a yard, then what with walking across it all week, it'll get dirty. But come Saturday... You sweep and clean it up, and it's spotless. So, when we go to confession, our souls are spotless, and we have nothing to worry about. Jesus will take care of it. In her everyday contacts, St. Faustina was able to interpret life's troubles in a spirit of living faith and see God's goodness in everything. She would often tell the sisters and the charges about God's love of mankind and about how the tremendous value of doing good to one's neighbor one day, passing by the chapel, she said to Sister Damiana, I heard that Jesus said that at the last judgment, he would judge people only on their mercy, for God is mercy. So by doing all, doing, excuse me, by doing or failing to do merciful deeds, you are casting a verdict on yourself. As Jesus told her, his request that God's merciful love for mankind be preached is the last recourse for many souls, which are being lost notwithstanding his bitter passion. It is also the means to establish peace in human hearts and between nations. Mankind will not have peace until it turns with trust to my mercy. That's diary entry number 300. And it is to prepare the world for his second coming, that God is infinitely merciful, no one can deny. He desires everyone to know this before he comes again as judge. He wants souls to come to know him first as king of mercy. And that's diary entry number 378. So St. Faustina wrote all of this in her diary. Our Lady faithfully accompanied St. Faustina and spoke to her on the prophetic mission. And Our Lady, by the referring to the Virgin Mary, for those who, who didn't know what that meant. In the morning, during meditation, St. Faustina recorded, I saw the mother of God who said to me, I gave the Savior to the world. As for you, you have to speak to the world about his great mercy and prepare the world for the second coming of him who will come, not as a merciful Savior, but as a just judge. Oh, how terrible is that day. Deter mind is the day of justice the day of divine wrath. The angels tremble before it. Speak to souls about the great mercy while it is still the time for mercy. If you keep silent now, you will be answering for a great number of souls on that terrible day. Fear nothing. Be faithful to the end. I am in empathy with you. That's diary entry number 635. So here we have again... Um, you know, this is, of course, for Catholics, Roman Catholics, and most Christians who believe in in the second coming of 
Jesus and God, the Holy Spirit, uh, the Holy Trinity uh, for divine judgment. For those who believe that um, here, you know, Our Lady is reminding St. Faustina of the urgency to get the divine mercy prayer uh, and chaplet out to the world because the more people that learn it and practice it, the more souls will be saved um, and the less souls will be judged on Judgment Day. Um, again, for those who, who, who believe in that and follow that. So once again, we see, of course, uh, no pressure <laughs> on poor St. Faustina, you know, to, to get this out there and get this done. The mystery of divine mercy took up the central position in St. Faustina's life and apostolic work. In accordance with the words of Jesus and his mother, not only was she to live, it by, live by it herself, reflecting it in her heart and works, but she was also to let the whole world learn of it. It was yet another task which seemed to transcend her capabilities. After all, she lived in a convent and was only a simple nun performing prosaic duties. She had neither extensive relations with other people nor any opportunities to disseminate this message in the world at large. But it was to her that Jesus addressed these amazing words. In the old covenant, I sent prophets wielding thunderbolts to my people. Today, I am sending you with my mercy to the people of the whole world. In its diary entry number 1588, she firmly believed all he said would happen, though sometimes she had no idea as to how it would come about. However, she knew that the covenant, or excuse me, convent chapel at Legniki in Krakow would become the shrine for the worship of the divine mercy. She told Sister Bozina, who regretted that the Languiniki Chapel was available only for the sisters and their charges, there will soon come a time when the convent gate will be wide open and people will come here to pray the Divine Mercy. So again, we have to remember, you know, what was this back in the 19, early 1930s, uh, that, yeah, 1937, uh, or somewhere around there, that here St. Faustina is told that you must share this divine mercy uh, with the world. And you have to remember, this was before Internet. So she couldn't get on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. <laughs> Could you imagine St. Faustina doing a TikTok video? <laughs> but anyway, as you can only imagine how difficult it was because communication was so limited back then, especially for a nun in a convent, a simple nun in a simple convent. She wasn't in a giant, you know, cathedral, you know, of a church. It was, had a huge, you know, group of people, like hundreds and thousands of people. I mean, we're talking very small cloisters of nuns in these convents. And so, you know, you can actually and honestly see how daunting this task would be if not just completely overwhelming but her faith in the divine you know again that surrender you know you hear all you always hear especially you know those who are christians always hear the term about surrendering to the divine surrendering to jesus surrendering to the holy trinity um and that's exactly what saint faustina did she knew that by herself this was impossible but if she, if she surrendered to the divine, if the divine wanted this to happen, 
of course, because the divine was, you know, saying this is what they wanted, then this would happen. So on top of everything else, we still have to keep in mind St. Faustina was being ravaged uh, by tuberculosis. So it continues on by saying tuberculosis, which had not been diagnosed until her stay in Vilnius, was ravaging St. Faustina's body. It had attacked not only the respiratory system, but also the alimentary canal. Her superiors sent her for treatment to a sanatorium in the Municipal Health Institution in Krakow. Her first period of treatment lasted nearly four months, from December 1936, with a break for Christmas. Already on her third day there, she had evidence of an efficacy of the chaplet to the divine mercy Jesus had given her. She woke up during the night and realized that a soul was asking her for prayer. When she entered the ward next the next day, she saw that one of the patients was dying and heard that the agony had begun during the night at the hour when she had woken up. In her soul, she heard Jesus' words, Say the chaplet which I taught you. And this is from Diary Entry number 810. She fetched her rosary, knelt by the dying person's bedside, and started saying the chaplet with all the powers of her spirit, asking Jesus to fulfill the promise he had made regarding the chaplet. Suddenly, the dying person opened her eyes, looked at St. Faustina, and died with an extraordinary calm on her face. And Jesus said, At the hour of death, I will defend as my own glory every soul that says this chaplet, or when others say it for a dying person. The indulgence is the same. When this chaplet is said by the bedside of a dying person, God's anger is pla placated, and unfathomable mercy envelops the soul. In the very depths of my tender mercy will be moved for the sake of the sorrowful passion of my son. And that's diary entry number 811. So wow, what an incredible saint. I mean, just that act alone. I mean, here she is literally racked from head to toe with tuberculosis. I mean, to the point where her lungs are just shot. You know, it, it's a struggle for her just to take a breath. But yet, you know, she hears in the night this person who's passing and their cries for help. You know, she felt their soul. She heard it that way through her soul and through her heart that, you know, the next day she found out who this person was, where it was coming from, and grabbed her rosary, went and knelt at that person's bedside and prayed the Divine Mercy Chaplet for that person and helped them cross over peacefully um, to heaven or, you know, whatever you believe, whatever your faith believes, you know, is the best place we go after we pass from this lifetime is, is what exactly uh, St. Faustina accomplished. And when I read this, it always reminds me of some dear friends of my family's. Um, um, I won't, I won't give names, um, but if they want their names known, I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure if she wants their names known, I'm sure she'll let me know if she's listening. She, she'll know who she is. Um, but some dear friends of ours, um, he had, um, had heart issues for quite a long time. Um, but he's probably, I think maybe four or five years younger than me. 
Um, but he had had open heart surgery um, about almost a year before I did. Uh, so we're talking about in 2019 because I had mine in, in June 30th of 2020. Uh, but anyway, he was very active. He loved to play volleyball um, and got back in shape and, and in good condition and was playing um, the sport that he loved with his friends, who he loved. Um, but he had a massive heart attack uh, while playing volleyball. Um, it, we're coming up, almost coming up on a year now. Um, and uh, when he was taken to the hospital, his wife went and, of course, you know, they knew that he wasn't going to make it. And as he passed, um, she was actually singing the Divine Mercy Prayer, the Divine Mercy Chaplet uh, to him and for him. Um, so it tells you how powerful this practice is. And um, there is a song that, that, you know, you can put this to music or to song and sing the Divine Mercy Chaplet. Instead of just praying it by word, you can pray it by song. Sometimes it's easier for people to learn a song uh, by words, which the, the words to the prayers are very, very easy. But what I'll do is in the show notes, I'll put a link to um, to that song uh, that she sang to him um, as he passed um, and when he passed over. Again, I'm not selling, trying to sell a used car. I'm just trying to give everybody as much information as I can because um, up to a year ago, I had never heard of the Divine Mercy Chaplet. So if this is your first time hearing about it, then I want to make sure that you have all the information you need, that if you want to study it, learn it, practice it, you know, make it part of you, I want to make sure you have that information. So this is how St. Faustina's hospital ministry for dying started. Though seriously ill herself, often so ill that she had to leave mass, she always noticed others who needed help. And when her superior forbade her these visits to the bedsides of the dying on account of her own poor health, she would offer up her prayers and acts of obedience for them which as Jesus had taught her meant more in his eyes than the great deeds undertaken willfully. She also helped not only those who were dying in a sanatorium, but also thanks to the gift of by location. Also those dying in another part of the hospital or even hundreds of miles away. This happened on several occasions when a relative or one of the sisters or even someone she had never known was dying for the spirit space does not exist. So I don't know if you caught that or not. Do you know what bilocation is? Bilocation is being in two or more two or more places at one time. St. Faustina could do this. So she would pray and not only when she couldn't be at people's bedsides because she was too ill, she would manifest herself to those places, to those peoples. Like I said, it wasn't even necessarily just in the hospital she was in. It was in other hospitals. It was even recorded with people hundreds of miles away that she was appearing to them at their time of need and praying for them. And one thing we have to keep in mind, and her diary gets into this, that I don't think this information will get into, but it wasn't only the living who were coming to St. Faustina for help and prayers. It was also souls that needed help either souls that were in transition souls in the between 
souls in what the Roman Catholics call purgatory. They were constantly appearing to her and coming to her, begging and asking for help. She even had other sisters who had passed who were asking her for help because um, they still had things that they had to atone for and unfinished business that needed help that St. Faustina would offer her prayers for uh, them to help them. There was uh, one sister who appeared to her that was screaming and crying and it was on fire all the time. And St. Faustina says, I'm praying for you. And she goes, stop praying for me. Your prayers aren't helping. They're making things worse. And St. Faustina said, well, if my prayers aren't helping you, then leave me alone. <laughs> because St. Faustina knew the prayers were helping. It was just, you know, you got to go through the darkest to get to the dawn. Well, that's exactly what was happening with that sister. Well, the sister appeared like a month later and was just this brilliant, bright light and thanked St. Faustina for her prayers and said, because of her prayers, um, all the boxes had been checked and she was able to proceed to heaven. Uh, and again, for those who believe it, want to believe it, it's that information's there. For those who don't, please don't get ruffled um, to each their own. And we honor and greatly respect everybody and all of their beliefs and faiths. So at the hospital, St. Faustina experienced a lot of extraordinary graces. Already in the first days when she suffered much because for nearly three weeks she had no access to confession and she loved to go to confession. <laughs> Bless her heart. <laughs> like the poor thing had things to confess. But she did. She felt that she was a miserable sinner and, you know, she was the lowest of the low, and she it really bothered her when she could not go to confession. Anyway, she says, This afternoon, she wrote in her diary, Father Andreas came into my room and sat down to hear my confession. Beforehand, we did not exchange a single word. I was delighted because I was extremely anxious to go to confession. As usual, I unveiled my soul. Father gave a reply to each little detail. I felt unusually happy to be able to say everything as I did. For penance, he gave me the litany of the holy names of Jesus. When I wanted to tell him of my difficulty, I have in saying this litany, he rose and began to give me absolution. Suddenly, his figure became diffused with a great light, and I saw it was not Father. It was Jesus, his garments were bright as snow, and he disappeared immediately. At first, I was a little uneasy, but after a while, I kind of a kind of peace entered my soul, and I took note of the fact that Jesus heard the confession in the same way that confessors do. And yet something was wondrously transpiring in my heart during this confession. I couldn't at first understand what it signified. And that's diary entry number 817. Along with great physical and spiritual suffering, there were also vast graces which St. Faustina did not divulge to anyone except her confessors. But occasionally someone was a witness to them. One day I went to Prodnik to visit her. Sister Kajentana uh, recollected. I knocked on the door. She always used to say, come in please. But this time there was no answer though I knocked and knocked. I thought she must be in her room and lying in bed as she was ill, so I opened the door and went in. Then I saw her, all different, changed, 
and levitating over the bed, gazing into the distance as if she were looking at something there. I stood next to the bedside cabinet on which there was a little altar set up and I was overwhelmed with terror. But a moment later she came round and said, Ah, oh, sister, you've come. I'm glad. Do come in. Informed of this, Mother Superior Irina forbade her to speak about it. And this is how St. Faustina's extraordinary spiritual life was kept secret. So as we see, as we're getting closer and closer to the end of St. Faustina's life, her uh, spiritual energy is just like going, you know, rogue nuclear. It's going off the charts. Um, it can't be held by her physical form. It's just blazing out of her. And you <laughs> bless that sister for <laughs> walking in. And here you're expecting to see an invalid uh, you know, none in, in bed who, who can't move. And here she's actually glowing and levitating. <laughs> the first stage of her hospital treatment ended in March of 1937. Her health slightly improved. St. Faustina returned to Legniki uh, convent, but already in April, she suffered a relapse. In July, her superiors sent her to the congregation's house in the spa resort of Rabka, but the sharp mountain climate was not good for St. Faustina. She felt worse and had to leave after 13 days. But she took with her St. Joseph's assurance that he was very much in favor of work of mercy entrusted by uh, the Lord. He promised her his special help and protection, but asked her every morning to say three Our Fathers and one prayer, which the congregation said in honor of St. Joseph. From henceforth, St. Faustina knew that she was supported in the carrying out of the mission, not only by the Blessed Virgin, but also St. Joseph. Other saints and angels whose company and assistance she had often enjoyed also lent a helping hand. So what they refer to here as St. Joseph, for those of you who are not Roman Catholic, is uh, Joseph, which was Mary's husband, the adopted father of Jesus. On her return from Rabka, St. Faustina was given a lighter duty in the entrance lodge than her previous job in the garden. Here she had plenty of opportunities to perform acts of mercy to various people, vagrants, the unemployed, hungry children, who called at the lodge gate asking for assistance. In each of them she tried to discern Jesus himself and out of love for him did good works for all of them. One day a poor young man, emaciated, barefoot, and bareheaded, appeared at the lodge as St. Faustina described the incident with his clothes in tatters frozen because the day was cold and rainy. He asked for something hot to eat, so I went to the kitchen but found nothing there for the poor. But after searching around for some time, I found some soup, which I reheated and into which I crumbled some bread, and I gave it to the poor young man who ate it. As I was taking the bowl from him, he gave me to know that he was the Lord of heaven and earth. When I saw him as he was, he vanished from my sight. When I went back and, in, and reflected on what had happened at the gate, I heard these words in my soul. My daughter, the blessings of the poor who bless me as they leave this gate have reached my ears, 
and your compassion within the bounds of obedience has pleased me. And this is why I came down from my throne to taste the fruits of your mercy. And that's diary entry number 1,312. The first months of 1938 saw a further deterioration in St. Faustina's health, and her superiors decided to send her to Prodnik Hospital again after Easter. The saints' servants of, or excuse me, the sisters' servants, sister servants of the most sacred heart, who worked as nurses in the hospital, prepared a room for her. But in the evening, one of them informed her that she would not have Holy Communion the next day because she was exhausted. In the morning, I made my meditation, she noted in her diary, and prepared for Holy Communion, even though I was not to receive the Lord Jesus. When my love and desire had reached a high degree, I saw at my bedside a seraph who gave me Holy Communion, saying these words, Behold the Lord of angels. When I received the Lord, my spirit was submerged in love of God and in amazement. This was repeated for 13 days, although I was never sure he would bring me Holy Communion the next day. And that's diary entry number 1676. The other sisters who visited her in the hospital noticed her radiant happiness. I often visited her, Sister Serafina recalled, and always found her cheerful, even happy, and sometimes as if radiant. But she never disclosed the secret of her happiness. She was very happy in Prodnik and never complained that she was suffering. The doctor, the nurses, the patients, they were all very good to her. Sister Felicia uh, visited St. Faustina twice a week. During these visits, she spoke with Dr. Adam Sielberg on Sister Faustina's condition. The doctor said it was very bad. Uh, Sister Felicia was surprised that the doctor allowed her to go to Mass despite her poor, poor condition. Her condition was incurable, he replied, but Sister was an extraordinary nun, so he did not take any notice of that. Others in her state would never rise, but he had seen her holding on to the wall as she walked to the chapel. So bless her, she would go to Mass every day, hanging on to the wall and walking down to the chapel, and she did this all on her own without assistance from others when by all rights and purposes, humanly, she should not have been able to do that. Uh, but as again, as we're seeing that this um, grace and radiant and love and this, this bright energy of all that is divine is just bursting, literally bursting from every seam in her. St. Faustina's health was deteriorating all the time and at the end of her life on earth was approaching Aware of this, she took her leave of the community. In August 1938, she wrote a letter to the Mother General. She said, Dearest Reverend Mother, I feel this is our last conversation on earth. I feel very weak and I'm writing with a trembling hand. I am suffering as much as I can bear. Jesus does not ask you to suffer beyond your capacity. The grace of God is as great as the suffering. I put all my trust in God and his holy will. I am filled with the ever greater longing for God. I do not fear death. My soul abound in great peace. She expressed her thanks for all the good she had received from the Mother General and the congregation. She begged forgiveness for her transgressions against the rule. She asked for their sisterly love, prayer, and blessing in the hour of death. 
She concluded the letter with these words, Farewell, dearest mother. We shall see each other again at the feet of God's throne. And now praised be the divine mercy in us and through us. It was at Prodnick Hospital that she spoke for the last time with her Vilnian spiritual director, Father Sapochko, who was in Krakow in early September 1938 and had the opportunity to visit his extraordinary penitent before she died and hear instructions directly from her relating to the work of mercy which Jesus had initiated through her services. St. Faustina told him that his chief concern was to be the establishment of the Feast of Divine Mercy in the church and not to worry too much about the new congregation and that there would be signs which would let him know what to do in this matter. She said that she would soon die and that she had finished all she had done, had to write and pass on. After having said goodbye to St. Faustina, he left her room, but on his way out remembered that he had not left her the booklets with the prayers of divine mercy Jesus had given her. When he returned and opened the door to her room, he found her levitating over the bed and absorbed in prayer. Her eyes were fixed on an invisible object, and her pupils slightly dilated. For some time she did not take any notice of me, and I did not want to disturb her, and was intending to leave, but soon she came round, noticed me, and apologized for not hearing me knock or enter. I gave her the prayers and said goodbye, and she said, See you in heaven. The last time I visited her on September, on the 26th of September in Leguinki convent she did not want to talk to me or perhaps she couldn't any longer saying she was in communion with the Heavenly Father indeed she gave the impression of a supernatural being I no longer had any doubts that what she wrote in her diary about Holy Communion being administered to her in hospital by an angel was absolutely true so here, you know, Father Sapochko has this last meeting with her and, you know, forgets to get, you know, her booklets that she wrote on exactly the instructions on divine mercy so he could continue on her work. Because, of course, as you see, she was passing the torch on to him because she did as much as she could. And also, you know, creating that new congregation that Jesus had asked her to do, uh, the congregation of divine mercy. Um so that, of course, is passed on, but he goes back in the room, and there she's levitating again. And the, But this was the first time he had witnessed that. And bless her heart, when she realized he was there, she apologizes for not noticing, not hearing him knock or welcoming him. She just, wow, just, oh, my goodness. What, what just, what, a, just a, Oh, my God, I'm beyond words. She's just, I mean, talk about truly amazing. She's off the charts. She really is. On her return from hospital on the 17th of September, 1938, St. Faustina waited in the convent's infirmary for the moment of her passage from this world to the father's house. The sisters took turns in keeping a vigil by her bedside. The superior of the house, Mother Irina, liked to visit her there and observed St. Faustina's great calm and strange charm about her. The tension regarding the accomplishing of the work of mercy entrusted her by the Lord had gone. There will be a feast of divine mercy. I see it. All I want to do 
is God's will, she told Mother Superior. Asked by her if she was pleased to be dying in our congregation, she replied, yes. You'll see that the congregation will be solaced by me. Shortly before she died, she sat up in bed and asked Mother Superior to come up closer. Then she whispered, Jesus wants to elevate me and make me a saint. I observed a profound gravity in her and had a strange feeling that St. Faustina took the assurance as a gift from the divine mercy without a trace of pride, my mother Irina recalled. On the afternoon of the 5th of October, 1938, Father Andreas arrived at the convents and for the last time granted St. Faustina absolution and administered the sacrament of the sick. That day, at supper time, a bell was heard. The sisters in the refectory got up from the table and went upstairs, where St. Faustina was lying in her room. By her bedside were the chaplain, Father Theodore, and Mother Superior Irina, while the rest of the sisters stood in the corridor. Together they said the prayers for the dying, after which St. Faustina told Mother Superior that she would not die yet. The sisters went down to the evening service. Saint Uf Sister Euphemia, a young nun in her juniorate, had heard from Sister Amelia that St. Faustina was bound to become a saint. Sister Euphemia wanted to see how saints die, but she could not exactly count on her superior granting her permission to attend a sister dying of tuberculosis. She prayed to the souls in purgatory to wake her when the time came for St. Faustina to die. I went to the bed at the usual time, Sister Euphemia re recollected, and was soon asleep. Suddenly, someone woke me up. Sister, if you want to be by St. Faustina when she dies, get up now. I knew at once it was an error. The sister who had come to wake up Sister Amelia had gone to the wrong cell and woken me instead. I woke Sister Amelia, put on my overall and bonnet, and dashed to the infirmary. Sister Amelia arrived after me. It was around eleven at night when we got there. St. Faustina, as if opened her eyes and gave a faint smile, and then bowed her head, and Sister Amelia said that probably she had just died. I looked at Sister Amelia, but said nothing. We continued to pray. The candle must candle mass cand candle continued to burn so she did indeed had passed at that time and it says the funeral took place on the 7th of october the feast of our lady of the rosary not only the sisters but also their charges and even the farm hands came down to pray in the crypt where saint faustina's coffin stood one of them was jenick who was said to be lapsed he stood by St. Faustina's coffin and cried, so great the impression she had made on him that apparently after the funeral he was converted. There was also Jadzia, a blind charge, who told of her unusual experiences. After the funeral services, which was conducted by Father Wadlaw, attended by two other priests, the sisters themselves carried St. Faustina's coffin down to the community cemetery in the garden. St. Faustina had achieved the fullness of union with God and sang a hymn in honor of his unfathomable mercy. For us on earth, she left a promise. Poor earth, 
I will not forget you, although I feel that I will be immediately immersed in God as in an ocean of happiness. That will not be an obstacle to my returning to earth to encourage souls and incite them to trust in God's mercy. Indeed, this immersion in God will give me the possibility of boundless action. And that's diary entry number 1582. So she's saying that even after she's passed, that people can still call upon her for help and for guidance. And when you're praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet, call upon St. Faustina to say the prayers with you, to pray with you, um, to you know carry your intentions uh, for your prayers, you know what you're praying for, to carry those to the divine, to help those uh, prayers come to be. St. Faustina's prophetic mission was kept strictly secret during her lifetime. No one knew about it except for Father Michael Sapochko and Father Josef Andreas and some of her superiors. After her death, when World War II came, St. Faustina's Vilnian confessor, Father Sapochko, disclosed, disclosed the name of the initiator of the devotion of, to the Divine Mercy, which was spreading. His disclosure was followed by the same in the Congregation of Sisters of Our Lady of Mercy, Mother General Michaelia visited all the congregation's houses and spoke on the great mission for which God had chosen St. Faustina. What most struck me about St. Faustina, she wrote after her death, and still strikes me today as an extraordinary phenomena, especially in the last months of her illness, was her absolute self-oblivion for the sake of the dissemination of the worship of divine mercy. She never showed the slightest doubts as to the authenticity of her mission, nor fear of death. She was absolutely engrossed in the leading light of her entire life, the devotion to divine mercy. During the terrible war years, the devotion to divine mercy spread rapidly, bringing a ray of light and hope into the darkness. As the devotion became more and more widely known, the opinion of St. Faustina's sainthood grew as well. Pilgrims started to come to her grave at the convent and pray for her intercession. In the convent chapel, Father Andreas blessed another picture of the merciful Jesus painted in accordance with St. Faustina's instructions and started special services in honor of the divine mercy. They were attended by crowds from the city of Krakow and its environs. One of the people who came to worship before this image was Carol Wachla, a young laborer from the Solvay Cory, which, which neighbored on the convent, who had already became familiar with the devotion to divine mercy and the forms of worship prescribed by St. Faustina. After his ordination on the third Sunday of each month, he celebrated divine mercy services in this chapel. So those of you who aren't familiar with the name Carol Watilia may be familiar with the name Pope John Paul II, or I should say Saint Pope John Paul II. Before he was that, he was Carol Watilia. I think I'm pronouncing his last name right. Forgive me, <laughs> your holy eminence, Saint Pope John Paul II, if I'm pronouncing your original last name wrong. But he, at a very early age, began the practice of divine mercy. And we're going to see the link as we continue here. In 1965, as the Bishop of Krakow, he initiated a diocesan process 
of raising Sister Faustina to the glory of the altars. This required a great deal of courage, as even as ever since 1959, there had been a notification by the Holy See and force prohibiting the spread of the devotion to divine mercy in the forms prescribed by Sister Faustina. The notification had been issued owing to an erroneous translation of her diary and resulting in inappropriate forms of worship under communism maintaining contact between Poland and the Holy See was not at all easy and so it was difficult to refute the Holy See's objections to the writings of Sister Faustina and the forms of worship. This period which Sister Faustina had foretold contributed to the theological analysis of her writings and the making of the right foundations for the practice of the devotion clear on the point that this situation was not an obstacle excuse me was of no obstacle to the initiating of the beatification process cardinal carol watelia lost no time and completed the diocesan stage sending the documentation up to rome where the congregation for the causes of saints continued to examine the heroic virtues of sister faustina and later the miracles wrought at Sister Faustina's grave for Mrs. Maureen Diggin from the United States. So as we can see, before he became St. Pope John Paul II, um, from a young priest to a bishop, he was the one uh, really taking up for Father Sopochko, where he left off to spearhead the movement of not only divine mercy, getting that out, because as we see, Due to loss in translation, um, it was banned by uh, the Vatican to practice. Um, so he was very hard at work to get that corrected and make sure the divine mercy was getting out. Because as we've seen, they said during World War II, people were praying divine mercy chapel like crazy. They were praying it in the trenches. They were praying it on the battlefield. They were praying it in the plains. I mean, it was a huge practice for a lot of people and saved a lot of souls. So, I mean, here, you know, before he was St. Pope John Paul II, he was working his tail off to make this happen. On Divine Mercy Sunday, the 18th of April, 1993, the Holy Father, Pope John Paul II, raised Sister Faustina to the glory of the altars. During his homily in St. Peter's Square, Rome, he referred to her words. I know very well that my mission will not end at my death. That's when it will start. And he observed, that's exactly what happened. Sister Faustina's mission continues and is bringing wondrous fruit. How marvelously her divine mercy service is making its way around the world and winning so many humans' hearts. It is undoubtedly a sign of our times, a sign of our 20th century, alongside its achievements, which have been by far eclipsed those of previous ages. The balance of the century now drawing to a close also carried deep anxiety for the future, where, if not in divine mercy, will the world find rescue and the light of hope? People of faith feel this perfectly well. So for those of you who are not Roman Catholic, that means where he says he raised her to the altars means he moved St. Faustina up to the next step of becoming a saint. 
uh, on the 18th of April, 1993. Now, for those doing the math and playing the game at home, that's 55 years after St. Faustina had passed away. After examining by the Holy See, the next miracle of healing, Father Ronald Piddle of Baltimore, Maryland, from incurable disease of the heart, the Holy Father, Pope John Paul II numbered her to the group of saints of the Catholic Church. The canonization ceremony was held on the Feast of Divine Mercy, the 30th of April, 2000, in St. Peter's Square, Rome, and was attended by bishops and priests, nuns, and huge crowds of pilgrims from all over the world. Thanks to satellite television link, religious and lay pilgrims gathered in Laguinki, Shrine of the Divine Mercy in Krakow so they could participate in the ceremony. Several decades earlier, the event had been described by St. Faustina, At once I saw myself in Rome, she said, in the Holy Father's Chapel. And at the same time, I was in our chapel. And the celebration of the Holy Father and the entire church was closely connected with our chapel and in a very special way with our congregation. And I took part in the solemn celebration simultaneously here and in Rome, for the celebration was so closely connected with Rome that even as I write, I cannot distinguish the two, but I am writing it down as I saw it. I saw the Lord Jesus in our chapel exposed to the monstrance on the high altar. The chapel was adorned as for a feast, and that day anyone who wanted to come in was allowed. The crowd was so enormous that the eye could not take it all in. Everyone was participating in the celebrations with great joy, and many of them obtained what they desired. The same celebration was held in Rome, and the Holy Father was all the cler- with all the clergy was celebrating this feast. And then suddenly I saw St. Peter, who stood between the altar and the Holy Father. I could not hear what the Saint what St. Peter said, but I saw that the Holy Father understood his words. And that's from diary entry number 1044. So as we can see all the way back in the day, and this is in St. Faustina's diary, she foresaw the events that took place on the 30th of April, 2000, 62 years after her passing. She saw that far into the future. During that ceremony held in the Jubilee year, the Holy Father founded the Feast of Divine Mercy for the entire church and passed on to the world the prophetic mission of mercy for the third millennium of faith. I pass it on to all people, he said, so that they will learn to know even ever better the true face of God and the true face of their brethren. Two years later, he made his second pilgrimage as Pope to Leguinki Shrine, and then in the Basilica Church, he had just consecrated and trusted the whole world to the divine mercy. He said that he wanted the message of God's merciful love preached here thanks to the meditation of Sister, now Saint Faustina, to reach all the earth's inhabitants and fill their hearts with hope. He wanted that message to radiate out from that chapel to the whole of Poland and the entire world. And Jesus' promise to be fulfilled 
that a spark which would prepare the world for Jesus' final coming would issue from this place. He asked people to kindle that spark of God's grace and transmit the fire of mercy to the world, for it was in divine mercy that the world would find peace and mankind happiness. So 62 years later, after St. Faustina's passing uh, from this earth, her mission was finally completed. What, you know, Jesus had asked her to do had finally been done. And infinite thanks and blessings to uh, Blessed Father Sapochko for continuing on after uh, St. Faustina passed. And that wasn't touched on much in this. We should probably do a show on Father Sapochko as well, which maybe we will in the future. But his is a story altogether um, that's amazing as well. But if it wasn't for Pope St. John Paul II, it wouldn't have happened. And believe me, in, uh, it's, it's weird, but he caught a lot of grief from others by canonizing St. Faustina. Now, you would think by looking at all of this, it's a no-brainer. And you're actually probably like me, scratching your head saying, why wasn't this done sooner? Well, of course, as we know, in big churches, you know, big religious groups, there's a lot of politics and a lot of people uh, talk bad about St. Pope John Paul II, who was Pope John Paul II at that time, uh, saying that the only reason that he canonized her is because she was of Polish descent as he was, um, which they're, if they're saying that they're missing the point completely. I mean, how could you not look at her life and not canonize her. I mean, that's just, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous that it took 62 years from the date of her passing. And, you know, blessings to all of those beings who kept her work alive, that kept her mission alive, you know, that kept it going and just didn't let it go. You know, it's just, wow, blessings to them. Today, there is probably no country left without an image of the merciful Jesus. The Feast of Divine Mercy has entered into the Universal Church's liturgical calendar for good. The Chaplet of Divine Mercy is recited even in obscure languages, and the prayer at the hour of Jesus' death on the cross. The hour of mercy is becoming more and more popular. The Apostolic Movement of Divine Mercy, the congregation based on St. Faustina's mystical experience, Charism, which Jesus asked her to found today, comprises a variety of congregations, associations, confraternities, apostolites, and individuals joining in the accomplishment of her mission. They are bringing the message of mercy into the world through the witness of their lives, works, words, and prayers. The Congregation of the Sisters of Our Lady of Mercy has fully adopted St. Faustina's prophetic mission and on the 25th of August, 1995, recognized her as its spiritual foundress. Theologians inspired by St. Faustina are examining the mystery of the divine mercy. Apostles of mercy from her school are training in the attitude of trust in God and mercy for their neighbor, love of the Eucharist and the church, and learning the true veneration of Our Lady of Mercy. Many churches dedicated to the divine mercy the Merciful Jesus, or St. Faustina, are being founded in Poland and throughout the world. 
numerous new divine mercy shrines have sprung up to preach the truth of God's merciful love for each human being. St. Faustina's mission certainly did not end at her death. It can, is continuing and bringing forth wonderful fruit. So that was just a little bit. I uh, know you're going to say a little bit. It was three podcasts, three shows. But that was just a little bit of the life, the amazing, truly amazing life of St. Faustina. Um, I hope, so hope and pray that you all have enjoyed uh, this series on St. Faustina. I mean, it's it's one that I've been wanting to do, but I wanted to get us all at a, at a right place to to share it. And I think we're all at that place now that, you know, we can really appreciate um, St. Faustina's life, her mission, and all that she shared. And again, I beyond recommend her diary. And as I said last podcast and the podcast before, and I'll have a link in the show notes, that you can get her diary on Amazon for like seven ninety five, brand new plus shipping. And that's that's a great deal. I mean, it's not that much, and it's something that you can read and study over and over and over again. And all that I've shared here is nothing compared to her diary. It just scratches the surface. It really does. I mean, there's so, so, so much more um, that you can learn directly from her, from her diary. It's just, wow, it's just mind-blowing. So a little bit more on the Divine Mercy Chaplet, and we'll use that, uh, these two prayers that, uh, that are the main parts of the Divine Mercy Chaplet as our closing prayer for today, if you all don't mind. Um, so if those of you who are familiar with a rosary, on the Our Father beads, which are the, the main you know, separation beads. Um, you're instead of saying the Our Father, you say this prayer. Now, remember, these prayers came directly from Jesus to Saint Faustina, who told her that you know this is what you know I want people to pray. This is the words that I want them to pray. Uh, so, those of you who are of the Christian faith, I mean, take heed to this. This is powerful stuff, and it's really simple. I mean, it is so simple. It's actually more simple and easier to pray than the rosary itself, which I'm not <laughs> I'm not uh, making anyone drop one to start the other. But please, um, if you do, just pick, pick up both up. Add this to it. It's easy enough to add to it. I pray the rosary every day. I'm part of what they call the confraternity, which is where you can go online and look up confraternity of the Holy Rosary. And you just fill out this online form saying that you will pray the Holy Rosary every day and to the best of your ability. Now, if you're sick or something like that, you know, of course, you can't do that if you're, you know, incapacitated. But there's nothing held against you if you don't. But you get blessings if you do, which is not the reason to do it. You know, <laughs> the Roman Catholics are like that. You get you get things if you do things. And that's not what it should be about. Do it to do it. Do it from the purest heart and mind the purest motivation and intentions and you can never go wrong don't put in ego pride me mine i none of that. anyway on the our our father beads and there'll be information of course in the show notes for this if you want to do this um, so on the our father beads you will say eternal father i offer you the body and blood soul and divinity of your dearly beloved son our Lord Jesus Christ, an atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. Okay, easy enough. Now, on the Hail Mary beads, 
Instead of saying the Hail Mary, you say, For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and the whole world. That's it. It's that easy. Just those two prayers are the bulk. And of course, there's preliminary prayers before it and prayers that you say after it. But I'll have links to that in the description. I mean, it's it's up to you if you want to do all the additional uh, tacked on prayers. But to do just the main prayers themselves are those two. And it's it's that simple. It's that easy. And there's also the beautiful song of the Divine Mercy Prayer, uh, which, you know, our, our dear friend shared with me uh, after the passing of her husband. And I will share uh, a link to that. It's on YouTube. I will share that in the show notes so you all can check that out as well. And if you want to learn it, it's easy enough to learn and you can sing it yourself. So I will pause here for now. I so hope and pray that you all enjoyed the show and that this show is everything that you've been looking for and even more and that it continues to be that and even more for as long as possible. I am always greatly open to suggestions, recommendations for people to showcase on the show. As I've said infinite times, um, you we have people from all over the world now listening to the show. And I know that each and every one of you have such amazing beings past and present in your culture that we have no idea about but we should know about so please 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 take a moment to contact me reach out to me share these people and their stories with me or at least where i can find the information uh, to locate information on these people so we can have it on the shows also i love to pray i am always doing my level best to be in a continuous state of prayer and people that listen to the show love to pray as well and we would all love to pray for you if you would like for us to pray for you please there is on the website which i'm going to give you the information here in a minute information there's a form at the bottom of the website that you can fill out to submit your prayer request it asks for your first and last name. You don't have to give any of that. It does ask. The only thing you have to fill out is your email address. And that way I can write you back just to let you know I received your prayer request and that we'll be doing it. Um, there's a, an area there where you can write out what your prayer request is. If it's for you, it's for a loved one, for a friend. If anyone that prays knows that the more information you have about the persons you're praying for, the better. So feel free to share as much information as you're comfortable sharing and also please note on there if you want me to just pray for that person or for you on my own or if it's okay for me to share that on the show so we can get as many people as possible praying so please make sure you note that on there so there's two ways that you can contact me the first is through our website, and that also has the prayer request form on there. And you can find our website, if you don't already know it, at Faith and More Podcast. That's all one word, faithandmorepodcast.wixsite.com slash my-site, S-I-T-E. Again, that's Faith and More Podcast dot wixsite.com slash my dash site 
Or you can email me directly at faithandmorepodcast. Again, all one word, faithandmorepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. I so hope you all return next week. Please, if you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you really enjoyed the show, please share it with as many people as you possibly can. Because right now, that's the only way our show gets out is by word of mouth and by sharing. So the more people you talk to about and share with, the more people we can have listening and the more people we can bless with these stories of these amazing beings. So again, thank you all so very much for listening. Please know that you all are in my heart and my prayers. I love each and every one of you so much. Always remember, love yourself and love others. And I will see you all again next week.